Hello. Hey. My name is Alex. My name is Val. And we're going to talk about The Weight. Which is? Episode 4. Season 4. <laughs> yes. We, we make a podcast. It's called In at the End. Yeah. Maybe you've heard of it. That's lame. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, no, but for people who haven't heard it before. Right. We watched an episode and then we come and talk about it together. Yeah. And that's what this is. So if you like that kind of stuff, stick around. Yeah. And it's a great episode. We're well into season four now. And uh, I feel like just like the tone of this season is different than the preceding seasons. Like especially coming out of season three. Mm-hmm. It's it's like I, I don't know if the word is like goofier or something. It's but definitely like, like more comedic. I was gonna say that. Yeah. Like, in a weird way. Yeah, and I feel like they're trying out new things. Like, they are trying to kind of, like, stretch the show and, and kind of, like, their scope of what they're tackling. Like, last episode, we were kind of talking about them sort of, like, taking some social issues head on in mm-hmm. Christopher. And now I feel like there's, like, some things that show up again in this episode that are more reminiscent of The Wire, like, which we've talked about mm-hmm. before, like, connectivity between characters in an almost, like, unrealistic kind of yep. way. So a lot of characters strangely being connected to the other characters that we know things like meadow going to the south bronx law center and then being introduced by saska who turns out to be kupferberg's kid Mm -hmm. and then kupferberg is in his session with dr melfi and And then he sees tony in the parking garage and he's seen tony in the parking garage and then he brings up to melfi that there was this guy who was probably a repair guy yeah and then is talking to melfi while melfi's talking about soprano at the same time her son who's talking who's friends with saska they kissed once yeah, it's interesting. It's very I mean, like, yeah, like that kind of connection between characters that like kind of heightens reality. Like, it's almost hard to believe mm-hmm. that there could be that many interactions happening mm-hmm. without them noticing. Isn't really where the show has lived before. So it's interesting no, that it's they're kind true. of experimenting yeah. with that. Um, I wonder. I wonder what that is. Like, it, maybe again. Like, maybe once we go back over the whole season, we'll be able to kind of like see these episodes together. These like kind of hyper real episodes yeah. as something. Like the next episode is Piomai. Yeah. Um, which is an important one. So maybe yeah. it's just kind of like I don't know. I I always think they have a purpose behind doing what they're doing. Oh, for sure. I just um, think that like with every season, they're trying to do something different. Like I think that yeah. they're like intent is a little bit different and yeah. i think in this season they're just experimenting with some some new ideas yeah i think they're also like reintroducing some old stuff like there's definitely the color thing yeah. has come back really strongly yeah which we kind of drifted from for a while yeah we, we talked about that a lot at the beginning and definitely kind of like the overt i don't know like symbolism of objects and and yeah shots eggs has and really, oranges are definitely yeah. showing up in this episode yeah so i think you know i think they're they're bringing back some of the standard ideas also. Totally. Food. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially like junk food. I mean, the amount of junk food that Tony eats in this episode is pretty wild. Well, that they all eat, really. He's eating cake with Brian. He's bringing Krispy Kreme to Meadow. There's He's eating crumb McDo- cake. <laughs> Mc- yeah, crumb cake. There's McDonald's when the guys are all like Syl and Christopher are eating McDonald's. Right. My favorite food uh, reference in this whole episode is... Um, we have Johnny Sack uh, in an office, and we have a pizza pizza container. I know. It's so weird. Which, talking about suspended disbelief, pizza pizza does not exist outside of Canada. Outside of Ontario, I yeah. think. Having come from Ontario myself, yeah, that's quite a shocker I know to see it in really New crazy. Jersey. Turns out, with a little bit of research, 
they did not film in Ontario. They filmed a couple blocks away from Silver Cup Studios in Queens, where they film shots. But um, yeah, so they were just they were at a place. So there's a mystery as to why the Pizza Pizza carton was there. Mm. But it is a bit of an Easter egg in this in this episode. So. If you're also yeah. from Ontario, this is a pretty big deal. I don't think anyone is from Ontario who listens to this. That's true. I think we can actually know these things, and I, I don't know yeah. if anybody is from Ontario. <laughs> Maybe one day. Me. Um, the, the thing I was noticing about the food is, like, yeah, there's tons of junk food and, like, consumption in this episode. The old, like, But they really also focused in on the guys drinking coffee when they were with Carmine. And yeah. it just, it, like, even, like, the colors in those shots, like, it's, like, w- more old-timey. Mm-hmm. And, like, then the other, that other weird family, we'll talk about them as right. well. They were also drinking coffee. So there was something yeah. about coffee and kind yeah. of this, like, although, like, Junior was eating olives. So I don't know what that really means. But, yeah. Well, for me, um, with the coffee, Kind of this like... old-timey thing about having coffee. And it's not the same as junk food, but it's different. It's, like, yeah. more of, like, it's a stimulant. It's a substance, it's a, though. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting because, like, the assassins... That they, What's their name? That Christopher and Silvio go to visit, Joe yeah. DiMaggio. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the nickname that he's got. When he goes to visit them, they make a point to make it very clear that they don't work for drug dealers and that there's this backstory about how they got stiffed by a somebody really who long, was actually really trafficking heroin. Yeah. But it's interesting that actually right after they make the statement, we don't work for drug dealers, they ask for more coffee. Right. Which like I think is interesting especially in the way that it connects to coffee in this episode but also that their principles are so strongly established that they don't work for drug dealers they don't believe in drugs they want nothing to do with drugs tony even says don't even bring up tylenol and yet they're okay with this substance yeah that That they still have something and i think that like principles are an important part of this episode like obviously we have johnny sack talking all the time about honor and his wife's mm-hmm. honor going you know to protect his wife's honor in the old days you wouldn't even have to yeah, talk like about ask that about it. Yeah. yeah and so uh, yeah I thought it was interesting where like people have principles but then like what does it mean where do those lines end and what do they even mean you know perhaps yeah no totally so, yeah or are they meaningful yeah so I think that like they have definitely some symbols that are showing up in this episode and they make us ask some of the questions yeah for sure. Um, the uh, oranges and eggs. Yeah. There was a really, there was a big one. Um, Ralph, you know, talking to Tony in like his kind of location, the one where we've seen right. uh, Richie before. That crew hangs out. That yeah. that crew hangs out there. Um, but, you know, he even says like, I don't remember talking about it regarding to the, regarding the joke about mm-hmm. like taking the mole mm-hmm. off of her ass. And then... Afterwards, he like this is like after he's brought the oranges, and then he actually like picks up an orange that's in the frame, and he's just like kind of grasping it, mm-hmm. and it's right there. So like where it's they've like already es- established mouth. oranges in this show quite a bit with death and linking that to Godfather, mm-hmm. which also actually there's some more Godfather references in this episode. Yeah. But the fact that he's holding it and it's in the frame, like death is a part of this joke. Like it has escalated to a point where like death is on the table for either Johnny Sack or Ralphie like and they're using this symbol to kind of reinforce that yeah yeah no for sure I think like yeah definitely like also the theme kind of like what I was saying before with like this like coffee being these kind of old guys or like I don't know there was something there was something about it for me the other thing that kind of pointed it out to me was when they were sitting when Junior was like on a conference call Right. With them, right? Right. Like, using these cell phones. And they really focused on, like, that technology and, like, yeah. placing it in the middle of the table. It's like, 
a speaker cell phone. It was interesting. Um, But they had it in the middle of the table. And then it was these two old guys, like Junior and Carmine, who were who are the bosses, who are the ones yeah. in charge, and they're both kind of like funny with the technology, right? Um, so I don't know. I think it's like passing commentary on young, like you know, not the golden age. Yeah, you know, they've talked, right. they've like gone to this before, like yeah, you know, the kind of like golden age of you know World War Two survivors yeah. versus you know. Tony and his crew. Totally. The generational differences. And that's yeah. really like a season one theme. We talked yeah, a lot about that totally. in the first season. Totally. So, yeah, so there's something to that the food and the technology for me. That kind because of... Junior hasn't really been around that much. Like, I, no. we were even reflecting on it, I think, kind of at the end of season three, is like he's such a peripheral character mm-hmm. in a lot of ways after season one. And he does come back more as the show goes on. Yep. But also the introduction of Carmine as like kind of a yeah. reoccurring character. Like, they have somebody to kind of reinforce that archetype of like somebody from that generation yeah totally and they do it in different ways like the thing of like all these old guys have their weird styles of leadership and stuff like that too which we get to kind of see but yeah it's it's really i think it's really interesting especially seeing that weird family now i'm mad i can't remember their name the joe dimaggio family (laughs) i don't i i know that's not what they're called but We'll go there. I know them by their um, nickname, assassin nickname. Yeah, like that scene is so funny. And again, like yeah. kind of going back to the like goofiness or the humor, like that's not, that wasn't a real, like a real scene, right? Right. Um, there was this heightened sense of like weirdness. And, totally. You know, so. Even the way like they set it up, like the, when you see that house, it's like from such an insanely yeah. low angle. Like it's yeah. so menacing. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, all like TV and film will use that where you'll have a low angle to make something look more imposing, but it's like really extreme. Mm-hmm. It's like super exaggerated mm-hmm. going into that scene. And it is a very exaggerated scene, especially mm-hmm. by the standards of The Sopranos. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, can I just go back to one thing? Yeah, of course. Um, just in terms of like the old and the younger guys. Um, the one scene that I, I kind of was having trouble interpreting this time mm-hmm. around, I don't know if I had like a more... Um, I don't know, like a firmer grasp on what I felt about it. But the scene, like the phone call between Carmine and Tony. Right. Like, first of all, you get the sense that they're not talking on the phone that much. Yeah. But like, I don't know if Carmine's really putting out a hit on Johnny Sack. It's like really vague. It's really vague. I thought like, because then they like, they talk about it like it is a thing. But like, I don't know if it's really a thing. I think it is. And I think like also the way the camera starts moving once Tony starts to clue in. I mean, maybe it's I know, just but, his but perspective. Like it's perce- yeah, that's, the, that's where could I be. kind of got caught up a little I think bit. Tony's like very astute to those sort of things, like way yeah. more than we could be. Yeah. And I think that they are like implying that. Like he gets that kind of language, yeah. that kind of coded language. Okay. Um, and I love actually what happens. Like they are these, it's like this very kind of like mundane you know, kind of conversation that goes nowhere. But then as soon as Tony does clue in, like, the camera's moving almost as it has in previous episodes, like in college, like where it rotates around a face to show the other mm-hmm. side. But then it actually becomes more puzzling. Like, it's actually, like, circling around. And there's actually movement in a lot of different directions. Mm. I love the camera work in this in this episode. Yeah, it's really crazy. Yeah, it's really amazing. Um, no, just to, anyway, just, like, to wrap up that one thought really yeah. quickly, just the difference between what Carmine is wearing and doing and what Tony's wearing right right? like he's like dressed in a suit or whatever and he comments on tony still being asleep anyways right that's my ending to that interesting yeah and like also going back to the comment about tony wearing shorts the don doesn't wear shorts just in this season yeah carmine would not wear shorts yeah no he wouldn't but yeah no but the the film the film work in this episode is yeah there's some great camera work it's really subtle but i think it really like 
amplifies the kind of experience. Yeah, I love the scene between Tony and Carmela at the end, the way that's filmed. Yeah. I love the dancing scene. Yeah. The way that What a weird song. Yeah. Who listens to that song? Why would Meadow listen to that song again? Maybe Meadow (laughs) has a thing for Furio. Maybe. She didn't want to dance with him. (laughs) (laughs) He was wearing that shirt. That's a weird shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think that, like, that idea of, like, these characters being from different times or, in the case of Johnny Sack, like, reflecting on different times and having different values is important mm-hmm. in this episode. Like, there's also some talk between Johnny and Carmine. There's a disconnect. Johnny keeps on saying to Carmine, right. like, is it all just about money? And Carmine won't respond to that. Right. And it's interesting how they differ in their attitudes. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, we know for Tony and for Silvio and for Carmine, like, these are all really questions of finances. Mm-hmm. But there's something else for Johnny Sack. Like, there's this honor thing that yeah, he keeps on Yeah, which is, like, kind of an old-timey thing. Yeah. Right? Like, they did, like, again, like we said, they mentioned that, you know, in the olden days, you would never even have to ask about something like this, right? Yeah. That it would just be, like, a given. So that's why, like, I think those moments really... I don't know, emphasize that for me This in this viewing, like emphasize who Johnny Sack is as a character and these kind of like, Well, it's know. Yeah, and it's also like the first time that they're really like expanding Johnny Sack and Carmine totally, as characters. Totally, totally. And they're crazy, both of them. They're both pretty crazy. Yeah, they're insane. I mean, Johnny Sack is crazy. Yeah, he really is losing it. <laughs> yeah, no. And like... What I, an the, unstable his, dude. His acting... Yeah. In this episode, like, he go, he, like, he's one of the, like, he can, like, flip back and forth between, like, this sweet guy and this, like, yeah. angry, crazy guy. Like, yeah. his facial movements are so amazing. It is amazing. That's something I wanted to talk about, too, is actually just, like, some of the actors mm. in this episode. Yeah. So, actually, yeah, like, Vincent Curatola, who plays um, Johnny, Johnny Sack. Sack. It's yeah. really interesting because I saw an interview with him and, like, he actually got into acting really late. Right. He actually, like, had a family, I think it's a family construction business in New Jersey that he worked in for a long time. I think he was like in his 40s when he started acting. Wow, that's crazy. Um, And if you look at his credits before The Sopranos, there's not a lot. He was on two episodes of Law & Order, I think, as like pretty, like very, very small parts in like a short film. And that's like, there's like, you know, a couple, a couple credits. And then he landed the show. Like, I think he did know some of the people that were in the cast of Sopranos. Okay. Um, and he was friendly with them. But it's it's interesting because I think that reflects something else. Like, a lot of characters in this show actually came from not having that much acting experience. And a really prominent one is, is his wife. Right. Like, Jenny Sack, Denise Barino Quinn, she was, like, a paralegal in New Brunswick and went with her friend to the audition. Right. Where there was, like, like a lot of people auditioning. And she... Apparently, she, like, thought it would be fun to see the crowds and then ended up getting this position. But if you look at her credits, this is the only thing she's ever That's done. That's crazy. Which is really wild. And also with Jamie Lynn Sigler, like, actually her acting experience before The Sopranos was actually, like, largely musical theater. Right. And, um, yeah, she had had, like, a, a TV project that, like, didn't end up getting landed right before this. But there wasn't a ton of... TV acting experience. Right. And she's talked about, like, um, getting kind of uh, feeds from Robert Eiler, like, on the set once Sopranos started because she didn't know all the terminology and whatnot. Right. From from being there. Anyway, it's right. interesting. But I think, yeah, like, there's there's a lot of actors that show up on Sopranos for a show that we think of as being, like, 
the kind of like beacon of TV and the beacon of acting. Like there's a lot of actors who are kind of making their first appearances. And I think like just like the raw talent and David Chase's eye for that talent is unbelievable. Yeah. No, for sure. It's incredible. Like, for sure. Because and I was, I was even noticing like Jamie Lynn Sigler is I, – I feel like it's such a mature acting performance. Like it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like the level of talent there is mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, and Vincent Curatola as well. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's really something. Like David Chase – really knew how to find people, like, even if they weren't in the industry as much yeah. as a lot of actors who would yeah, be hired. Like, he just found the right people, and they just, like, they hit it out of the park with these roles. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really amazing. Yeah. So, who else do we have? We have a reference, actually. Um, one of the Joe DiMaggio's, like, friends is actually from Godfather, and uh, it's Al Neary who is Michael's bodyguard. So there's actually like a reference there to even to like that kind of golden age of the mob mentality mm-hmm, that Junior mm-hmm, is referencing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's kind of, yeah, like a sort of like subtle reference. Yeah. And actually, of course, Dominic Cianese was in Godfather too as, right. as Johnny Ola. Right. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of kind of like cross-pollination going on there. Yeah. Um, I was, I wanted to just like talk briefly about like the character, like the kind of like duo characters in this episode, particularly like the co- different combinations of Ralph and Johnny Sack and Tony. Yep. Because they do reference, like, the... Was that from season three or... I guess season three. What? Yeah. Like, the conflict between Ralph and Tony over Tracy. Yeah. It was definitely season three. Yeah. Um, so they referenced that conflict that happened, right? Where Ralph was, like, going to John and asking him for his yeah. support and stuff like that. And then he kind of, like, mediated that. Now we have kind of like the tables turning a little bit like Tony, you know, Tony's like putting out a hit on John, right? Yeah. Like, so, but, but in some ways, like they work together on this Esplanade, like they've kind of like had to be close over yeah. time also, but then he won't tell, like he's not telling Tony who the person who's blabbing their mouth is. Right. We know it's we Polly, know. Yeah. but they don't know. Um, and then we have Tony and Ralph, like, even though Tony hates Ralph, yeah. he has, to, he like has to stand up for him cause he's a captain. Yeah. So I just find like those different combinations really interesting, kind of like what they say about those guys and their sense of like loyalty or right. honor, you know? Yeah. Like they just yeah. don't have, they don't have that. Right. So like, and I think in the quote unquote olden days, I think like in that was way more highly valued right there's some right. commentary around like when junior was telling the story about that family yeah um i don't know there was just like more of a focus on this but really it is it's like who's making you money and who's kind of serving your needs at yeah. this time and that's yeah and that's kind of where these characters go to they're not totally um like again like like th- that's why the scene like with carmine asking tony to put out a hit on john like kind of just hit me differently this time because i was like what like, that guy just turned around and, like, put out a hit on his yeah. second-in-command. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. You know? That like, is pretty crazy. Um, so... He is being pretty crazy, though. <laughs> yeah. And actually, it makes you think about, like, okay, well, then, like, what is the value system of Tony and Carmine as mm-hmm. bosses? And it really does seem to be very financial. Yeah. For both of those characters, for sure. Yeah. So, anyways, I just, I thought that was kind of interesting. Which is interesting because, like, it's every character in The Sopranos kind of has their own, like, custom sense of morality and their own custom sense of principles. Mm-hmm. And, like, often they do kind of stick to them very strongly. Like, they mm-hmm. are very important for the characters. Like, their code. And yet... They're kind of all over the place. Yeah. They're all drawing from different places and they all value different things. 
Yeah. Um, I love also this episode, right? Like, like in many Sopranos episodes, we have that tension building. Like, we think that both John and Ralphie are going to get killed. Right. Right. Yeah, those are we great have scenes. These, like, it's almost, again, kind of like a spy movie. Like, Ralphie's yeah. by the pool and, like, yeah. this guy's pulling up in yeah. his car and... You know, Johnny turns around and goes back for the sweater or whatever. Like, yeah. it is kind of this, like, yeah. almost, like, police yeah. drama going on. What? And yeah. nothing happens, right? right? Like, it just, like, yeah, another, like such a great, Sopranos Yeah, thing. such a great example of the yeah. use of the anticlimax. But I love that tension building that occurs, right? Like, and yeah. they do it so effectively. Yeah. Yeah, it ends up with Johnny Sack apologizing. And, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's also fascinating as an example of, like, the story, like, the plot lines that they thought of in Sopranos. Because I was thinking about it in this episode, like, some of the ideas they have to propel their story forward are actually, like, pretty unorthodox and weird. But I never even think about them until I've seen this show, like, so many times. Mm. But, like, that idea of, like, Johnny Sack, like, New York underboss with this, like, heavy wife that he cares for. But Mm -hmm. then, like, somebody makes a joke about her and it's about her eating and then they're getting involved over it. It's, like, they're not, like, typical storylines. They're actually, like, kind of ambitious in their weirdness. Yeah, totally. And, like, their lack of reality, especially for this show. And to, like, we don't know a ton about Johnny Sack, right? And then suddenly this is the story we're thrown into with him. Yeah, it's actually, like, kind of out there. But, like... It's executed so well, yeah. I never even think about it. It just seems normal. Yeah, but I was I thinking about I it on exactly this episode. I was just like, "That was a that was they were really going for it. Like that was a kind of a weird idea." Yeah, <laughs> like that was their idea. They're planning out this like mega hit show, and they're just like, in season four, maybe Ginny Sack. Yeah, yeah. Ralphie will tell a joke about Ginny Sack, and yeah, yeah, like that's ambitious. You totally. know, you actually you really have to hand it to them, especially well, when there was Andrew, as much pressure as there but was. But Andrew believed Johnny Sack. Like it is kind yeah. of this like purpose. Like, he's works. a really weird character. Like I I don't I don't know that there's anyone out there like that that's so weird like him. Yeah, and their relationship is so strange. Yeah, and funny. Yeah, in so many ways. But they've created these characters in such a way that you believe that these are characters that are out there, that this guy is the second in command of the New York mob. Right. And um, and these are his real, like, emotional issues that he work- He loves his wife even though she's gotten really fat. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know. Like, it's just, like, it's so amazing that they yeah. can do that. And then he finds her. You lied to me. Do you have any idea what, what you've, you've done? done. <laughs> yeah. And she doesn't. She yeah. has no idea the implications. I, I also love, like, after he gets off the phone with, I don't know, somebody. I think it's when he's, like, ordering the hit on Ralphie or something. And she's like, who is that, hun? And she's like, right. and he's like, no one. <laughs> yeah, I love, like, yeah, their and relationship. She's there, like, like he, she hears all this stuff. Like, yeah. he's not being He's cool. also come home, like, his, like, Burberry jacket is right. just, like, covered, covered in, in blood. blood and yeah. his hand is bleeding. And yeah. he's like, oh, I fell. Like, oh, what is yeah. this? The Spanish Inquisition. And he, like, like Haha. kisses her on the forehead. <laughs> I know. Cool really relationship. Good. It's really, yeah. really good. Um, what else do you have? What about Meadow? I think yeah. that's like somebody who's being developed right now. Like, yeah. I think that what's happening from the end of season three to right now is like Meadow is actually kind of like venturing outside of Tony's yeah. orbit. And we were yeah. talking about this this season already. For me, actually, that like scene in season three where Meadow is running across the street away from the party and like kind of through the traffic and it's something that she's referenced in in psychotherapy about Mm -hmm. like 
how she was so revolted by everybody's mm-hmm. reaction at the funeral. I think that right now she's in a time where she's experimenting with kind of like getting away mm-hmm. from this Sopranos world mm-hmm. that we've kind of just been taking for granted. Mm-hmm. So her going to the South Bronx Law Center, I think, is actually like a big move for her because that's not something that her parents want. Right. Um, I think it's complicated because she is differentiating herself and she is doing something that they don't want, but then she's also kind of like experimenting with law, right? which is something that I think Tony also probably doesn't want her to be involved in because it actually is kind of a return to working within his line of work or something. And I think that'll be fleshed out more as the show goes on. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's interesting as Meadow tries to assert herself in her own individuality. Like she is kind of drifting further away from the orbit, but she's doing it in an interesting manner that is into an industry that actually is, could be more linked than yeah. pe- you know than being a pediatrician yeah. that's for sure it also like it, this episode links her with the other like people of her own age that we kind of know like Melfi's son Jason and now Kupferberg's daughter Saska or whatever Saska um and like Melfi feels comforted by the fact that like Meadows just gone through this yeah. thing right and like right. Jason's going through this thing um but she's actually kind of out on the other side of that right like yeah. um it's funny, actually, just an aside. Like, the last time we saw Meadow was not last episode, the episode before, and mm-hmm. she ran away from home and they couldn't find her. Now, somehow, she and Tony are fine. Like, he shows up with his Krispy Kremes. Right. And right. so I don't know when that kind of them finding Was she Meadow not in and... Christopher whatsoever? No. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so, I, and like, so, like, I don't know, like, they, I guess, found out that she's at Columbia again and... All as well. And knows where her dorm room is and stuff like that. I like the scene where she's talking to Tony and she says to him, believe it or not, the world doesn't revolve around you. And then there's these like long pauses on both of their faces. Like they really exaggerate that line. And like the way Tony's looking at her, like my interpretation has always kind of been like he questions that, that the world does actually revolve around him. And it's actually like there's kind of like an extended level of irony because like, well, for us in this world, the world does revolve around Tony Soprano because this is a show about his orbit and everything that happens around him. And for me, like, that central question for Meadow is, will her world continue to revolve around Tony Soprano? That's what she's wrestling with right now. And I think that's what's being kind of, that's what's evolving right now. Yeah, and I think they give us a little bit, too, like, when she is, for whatever reason, playing that music that she heard at Furio's house. Right. Like, they are kind of showing us that it's hard for her to separate. It's, It's actually interesting. Like, she, in her therapy session... I forget exactly how she said, but like she said something about like the sappy Italian music, or right? Or the saccharine Italian ballads, or yeah. something like that. I mean, that's and not a saccharine Italian ballad. That's like not, a weird tribal. <laughs> it is really weird. It goes with Furio's shirt really well. Um, it goes great with his shirt and ponytail. But, but she does kind of like by playing that music at night in her room, like. And why is she there? Also, she's at home, that night. Yeah. Um. Anyways, I don't know. Like they're, like they're showing us too that it's hard for her to escape from that. Totally. And no matter how hard she kind of tries. Yeah. Even if she's about to go out, she just had to get that song in there before she she yeah, left. Yeah, that was very. I don't know. I I haven't quite unpacked that all, but. Yeah. What about actually speaking of that song and the connection between that Furio and Carmela have? Yeah. Um, so those are two, like that dancing, that's another... the dancing scene and then the scene with Tony and Carmela at the end are yeah. like two really yeah. 
interesting scenes. Yeah, Carmela actually is like being developed a little bit through this episode. Yeah. Or I mean quite a bit actually. Yeah. It's interesting, like Well, they compare her I mean like let's we can talk about the scenes, but like they compare her to Ginny Sacramoni. Right. In a lot of ways, right? Like in, Yeah, in multiple ways. Like, you know, she like we see Tony kind of appreciating that Carmela does fit this kind of um, idea of what a mob wife is supposed to yeah. be like and look like, right? Like yeah. that for him is almost a point of pride. And like yeah. so, and they kind of make comment about Gabriella in the same way. Like she's wearing these fancy shoes, and you know, like yeah. the guys are over there talking, and they're just like looking pretty over on the side. Yeah, you know. Um, and she gets this dress, and it's a size small. Yeah, you know. Actually, there's a brilliant. I mean, we love Sopranos Autopsy, and we talk about it. Right, but um. I think in his write-up for this episode, he has a, a really, I thought, like a pretty brilliant take on the Saks Fifth Avenue box, the small dress, the relationship between Carmela and Ginny. Mm. I thought he was very astute mm. there. I thought it was great. Anyway, I recommend reading it. I won't even try to Yeah, no, know, totally. We can never it. do justice to his ideas. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but then there's also something, like, in those scenes, like, just, like, Carmela and her feelings of, like who she feels connected to, um, attracted to. Um, I don't know, like between, like we have a comparison between Furio and Tony, right? Mm -hmm. And we have them kind of linked um, and see Carmela's reaction to, you know, kind yeah. of attention or affection from both of them. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't. Uh, I still, and I have in past struggled with this, and I still kind of struggle with it, like I'm trying to understand her thing for Furio. Mm-hmm. Because his olive story was so weird. Like <laughs> that's that, one that of my, was, that's my favorite scene in the whole episode. It was so funny and that's weird. A great classic Soprano and he's like, scene. Like it makes me sad. And then she just smiles at yeah. him, and then they talk about the house again. Yeah, which is great, just in like its anticlimax too. Yeah. Like the way that it just kind of peters out, and they don't. And deal AJ with is it. just standing there, but um. But yeah. also foods too, like yeah. also like the reference to foods, like I mean, like in a more European sense, I yeah. guess. But like. But yeah, yeah, but I struggle. I do like I. I don't really understand that relationship. I and but obviously, like Carmela, is seeking something, right? She's kind of gone. She's gone through this pretty. Um, unsettling couple seasons, right? Where she kind of recognizes herself and and how culpable she is yeah. in Tony's actions, and she's like, you know, come to terms with yeah what she gets from Tony's I don't know evil ways or whatever yeah. you want to call it. And Meadow's gone away. I don't know. Like she's gone through a lot, and so like I'm I try and understand it more in that sense like that it's mm -hmm. like a coping mechanism for her well it's an interesting choice know. for her too like to it be is. drawn to furio who's also involved in the business like for yeah. me there's an aspect that's almost like janice, like janice in therapy yeah. talking about how she's drawn to all these people mm -hmm. that are you know like her brother in the business and then the, you know the psychiatrist mm -hmm. calls her out for now talking about bobby yeah who's also in the business but like yeah like carmella looking for the irony of looking for like the complete polar opposite mm -hmm. of Tony this like sensitive European but old we, world we man but we know he's not we know he's like super he's the craziest. violent and crazy yeah. yeah he's the most violent dude yeah yeah I mean his first scenes he's established as like the craziest person totally. in the whole family and the most ruthless like that's yeah. his role yeah in so yeah operation. 
I mean, she doesn't know that. And the way it's funny because, like, mm-hmm. the way that he's presented in season four is very different. Like, the lighting mm-hmm. and the shots and, like, mm-hmm. you know, when we see them interacting, it does have that, like, soap, soap opera. Soap opera, yeah. Um, totally. Totally. Um, yeah. And, you know, like, the fade from, like, when they're dancing, like, the edit that they choose, like, it's, like, yeah. kind of, like, this, like, magical fade away. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's kind of, like something outside of reality Mm -hmm. in terms of that relationship right now Mm -hmm. and she doesn't know everything and you know maybe what she thinks she could get from it or who he is is completely fantastical yeah no that makes sense it's just yeah i've been pondering it more this season i kind of like brushed it off like last season i think i was kind of or last time we watched it rather yeah i was kind of like oh like it's like a little bit beyond reality and like that's okay that's the point of it yeah but i don't know i'm i'm trying to understand carmela better this time around and why it is right. that she has those feelings yeah and why it is like you know like they ha- so like the scene with her and tony at the end right yeah. like you know the fact that she like kind of at least my interpretation like has to like mentally escape from that moment and like put herself into another situation where she's not with tony um that's pretty deep yeah you know in terms of their relationship too so i don't know totally yeah yeah did you have some other thoughts no no some small things okay. i mean aj you know as meadow kind of like matures and becomes an adult and drifts away you know aj locking bobby jr in a garage is a pretty right. dick move <laughs> he just his mom just died yeah that's not cool oh aj aj uncool yeah but he was saying he was so bored he could uh right yeah (laughs) yeah he is bored he's bored i mean yeah that's the thing about aj like all of his kind of like acting out i feel like is largely just out of boredom totally more than any kind of malicious intent we've definitely said that before yeah um eggs the like who wants to be a millionaire i like that where there's the the two episodes left like what is the only ingredient left in a frittata and he gets it wrong and it's eggs (laughs) but yeah we've talked about this before like eggs are often like oranges kind of a signifier of death which Mm -hmm. is showing up a lot in this episode Mm -hmm. there's a lot of talk of death nobody dies but then again nobody dies yeah but will anybody die keep watching yeah we'll see um yeah i don't know i mean i i love the way this episode looks Mm -hmm. and i love the way the camera moves i think it's really cool so it's a good i mean it's a great team terrence winter was writing yeah jack bender's directing phil abraham is the director of photography on this one um, but yeah, it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. In particular, the camera movement, I think is, is really like elegant. And the kind of like wide angle shots that they use. Yeah. Like, I don't know, you just got There's like some a, really cool ones. Yeah. A big picture of what's going on. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. There were some cool shots in the Joe DiMaggio house. Anyway. <laughs> um, we'll be back for Pio Mai, episode oh my five. gosh, Pio Mai. Yeah. I feel like, personally, I feel like season four just kind of like gets more and more into its own element as time goes mm. on and by the time it gets to the end like the season finale is like one of my favorites yeah we'll be there soon we'll be there soon thanks for listening and we'll see you next time bye bye <laughs>